You got Bob and Robert. You don't have to figure out names. Um, and basically, this seminar is a culmination of just some things that we've been discussing over the last couple of years, really seeing the need for mentorship. And we kind of have this tension in ministry, I think, right now. One of those tensions is there's a ton of churches without pastors. There's a huge amount. And I think between Bob and I, I can count 20, 25 that have been without a pastor, some of them for, for years at this point. And so we're seeing a need of how do you fill them? Some of those are in isolated areas necessarily want to go to, but there's not a good solid church nearby anyway. The other tension is we still want to plant churches because there's there's still areas that need churches. They need solid biblical churches. So what do you do? I think there's a two-fold solution. At the very fundamental level is discipleship. Discipleship is the one failure of the church that we're missing right now. I think you got some of that last night with Corey Marsh's message. That is something that I think we've just dropped the ball on. But the other aspect of that is mentorship. I think mentorship actually is a way in which we can train specifically young men in order to prepare them for ministry and send them out to fulfill those roles, whether it be an existing church or a church plant. And I can say that because I know it's already happening. I've seen that work with different organizations, one of those being Biblical Ministries Worldwide. They're doing it in Utah, where they're having people come in straight out of their programs, their, their schooling and educational programs, and being mentored and then transferred into these positions. The wonderful thing about that is that they already have then somebody alongside them to help them out when they're facing difficulties and troubles and things like that. And so, as we've talked about these issues... We've talked about what can Northwest Independent Church Extension do to promote mentorships. And Bob has done the bulk of the work of what does that look like, doing the research, preparing a manual. And so that's where this comes from, this just trying to share with you what we've learned from that experience more than anything. I'd love to stand up here and say we're basically the experts, and by that I mean we've spent a lot of time talking about it. (laughs) And we've traveled 100 miles to get here, so that's the definition, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That assumes you guys know what mentorship means. And I would like to offer a definition to you. It is on your sheet. If you didn't get a paper, um, we still have some up here. But I've chosen to define mentorship this way. The application of discipleship in the context of ministry by preparing and equipping believers to serve the Lord with joy maturity, and unity according to the Lord's call and gifting so that he may be glorified. We should be realistic that ministry is challenging. I stole this from a marriage concept, but same thing applies. Ministry is difficult because you're dealing with sinners. It's made more complicated by the fact that we ourselves are sinners as well. And that's going to create tension all the time. That's just the reality The great thing about mentorship is that you can bring people in and start training them to deal with some of those difficulties in a controlled environment, at least to some degree, and offering them guidance in the moment. Melissa Kruger, writing for Crossway, tells the story of growing up, and her dad was out working in the yard doing different things, so she's just following him along as a little girl. And at one point he went back in to the garage, grabbed some tools, And he went over to a tree, and it was a thin, weak little tree that had been bent over by the wind. He started working, and she said, Dad, what are you doing? And what he was doing was taking that tree and tying it to a tree next to it, a larger tree, to be able to stabilize that. That's what mentorship should look like. That older tree basically could offer some support simply by being beside that smaller tree. That's what we're looking for here. Can you open that door? Thank you. We're looking for strong, godly men to come alongside other men and and start mentoring them. I think that's just a natural consequence of discipleship. In that definition that I gave you, there's a bunch of scripture references. You can look them up later. But I do want to read to you from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. 
because a lot of the concepts I just discussed and what you see in there come from those verses. And you probably know it, uh, but the verses say, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. In the context of that passage, that describes everybody. This is an ambition for everybody, that we're attaining that fullness in Christ. But I want to take that and specifically apply that then to, dis- to mentorship and say that this is what we're looking for in mentorship. Um, in going through some of this, so I, I want to make sure that we distinguish between discipleship and mentorship. I think Bob has some excellent thoughts on that, and I, I want to let him share some things there. All right. I want to do two things. I want to talk about what's the differences between uh, discipleship, mentorship, and internship, and then what's the relationship between those? Because it's kind of interesting. They have their differences, but they can work together uh, in many respects, and so this is what we're trying to play out. So I'm going to give you kind of a quirky way of looking, and you, you don't have this probably written down anywhere, so if you want to write it down, you can, but here's how I would look at discipleship. I call it biblical truth for following Christ. Just real simple. Biblical truth for following Christ. Your discipleship is really trying to help people to understand more of the biblical principles and then how you apply it to life. Uh, so in, in our circles, many, many years ago, we had, we had a, a, I don't know if it was a healthy fight or not within our regionals, about mentorship and discipleship. We had the people that hated mentorship and just felt like you got to have just discipleship, and then those that were you know, back and forth on this. So I, I, I really believe, as Robert's already adequately announced, that uh, for the most part, discipleship really is related more to a biblical approach. Um, mentorship, this is how I would look at it, it is practical truth for gaining skills, okay, experience and skills. Uh, it's more of the practical side. Uh, and as Robert said, uh, somebody who's been through something, helping somebody else go through that and learn from that uh, in that respect. Um, and then the internship, I call it guided truth for ministry involvement. Guided truth for ministry involvement. So you have biblical truth for following Christ, practical truth for gaining skill and experience, and guided truth for ministry involvement. So... There's a vast difference in many respects because mentorship might include discipleship, but it might include a number of other things. Uh, discipleship might include you know, more of a discussing the biblical truth and what comes from that and how do I live that life. Uh, but then also I might have to find some ways to develop my, uh, some other skills. Um, and bottom line is, is that probably anything that comes out is going to come out of the Bible. I mean, you, for the most part, um, this is makes sense. So how do you relate those three together? Well, here's what I say. Spiritual growth, discipleship, plus experienced learning, mentorship, flow or forms a ministry program, internship. Does that make sense? Let me say it again. Spiritual growth or discipleship plus experienced learning, mentorship, form a ministry program, internship. Uh, or if you want to flip it around, the ministry uh, aspect of internship is going to involve two things. It's going to involve discipleship and mentorship. Mm-hmm. You know, I I am not one who argues I got to have one or the other. I can see both working hand in hand. Uh, and that in the internship, which is what we eventually came, that's what our manual is. Is in it's the internship manual that takes those two principles and works them together. Okay, does that does that make sense? All right, that's. I I joke about us being the experts. There were probably the most unqualified people here to be sharing. <laughs> At the same time, there's been a lot of discussion between the two of us of what that looks like. And one of the convictions that came out of discussing the mentorship for me was, well, what are our objectives? What are the outcomes of mentorship? And I think if I asked any person, we'd have a whole variety. Some people as well. I, I'm about to retire. I need somebody to fulfill my role. 
we have a church down the street, they need a pastor, so we're mentoring for that. But I think there's something missing in that. I think there's an overarching, actually, objective that we should be seeking. And it probably shouldn't surprise you. And it comes from Colossians 1.28. Colossians 1.28 just says this. Him we proclaim, so Christ we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. I think that needs to be our first and foremost goal in mentorship. These other things are great, but we should be focusing on forming men and women for the purpose of serving the Lord. And I think that's where our goals need to be. Uh, I think of it in terms of fathers and mothers. We have children. Our goal is to steward our children, their gifts from the Lord. We steward them for his glory by shepherding them to him. Similar concept here. It's just now applied to mentorship. We're stewarding these, these mentees, if you want to use that term, for the glory of God that they may serve him by shepherding them towards him. We're hoping that they'll gain practical skills and knowledge to be able to apply in the context of doing full-time ministry but ultimately, if they walk away from full-time ministry and say, you know, I thought I was called, I'm really not, we should be okay with that as long as they've matured and grown in Christ. And that's what I want to see happen to become godly believers. In this way, then, I think mentorship is a way to fulfill the Great Commission, which has been kind of the topic or the focus of what we wanted to talk about here. Is how does mentorship lead into the fulfillment of the Great Commission of Matthew 28, 19 through 20? We don't have the time to go through everything. Um, but Bob and I have tried to come up with a way to make this more practical and relevant to where each of you guys is at. And so what we've done is we've kind of divided our, our teaching time here into three lessons or three topics. One is just the aspect of mentorships in the local church. The other is a relationship between mentoring and the Great Commission. And then the final, the third point is the relationship between the mentor and the mentee, specifically the one going into ministry and a pastor. To do this, though, what we've done is in each section, kind of like here, We've come up with just five questions that we think are important and relevant. We're not going to hit all five questions in each one. We want you guys to choose. So as we look at this, what is something that you want to know? What is something that is relevant to your particular situation? So kind of beginning with this theme of the relationship between mentorships and how those function in the local church, we have five questions here. You know, Why would a pastor limited on time even want to engage in this? Their time's limited. They can't be everywhere. So why, why bring this up? Why would the church body want to support mentorship? This also then brings in the question, who should be involved? Who, who within the church should be involved in mentorship? And then in what ways is it possible maybe to use multiple mentors to accomplish this? And finally, how important is an academic background? So as you look at those, is there one that stands out to you guys? Where do we want to go from here? This does require your participation. I'm going to go all the way back because he was first. Number three. So number three, if I could make that work. Why would a pastor limited on time? No. Oh, sorry. We did go to one after all of that, huh? Pretty fancy slides there, brother. Yeah, I'm impressed. That was actually pretty easy. So this one, right? Who in the church participates in mentorship? Let me ask you, who do you think should participate in mentorship? (laughs) Really? (laughs) Turn it around? Uh, I think that's a good starting point. In our church, we have a four-year discipleship plan, and the last year is leadership development and those are the guys that I want then to be mentoring okay so to me it's uh, mentorship and leadership is an extension of discipleship they flow into the other it's the last stage in our church I planned four churches and I've used this model every time it's worked pretty well so uh, um, when you have guys that are now equipped 
godly character, word of God filled men, then you can entrust them with others. They're probably eager at that point. Who are the obvious people that usually go for it, Steve? I'll let you say whatever you want to say real quick. When you say who should be involved in the process? Who who in the church participates? I think of 2 Timothy 2, 2, which would include everybody. That's my first thought, is everybody to some degree. There may be different levels. <clears throat> right. Um, the obvious answer begins with pastors and elders. There's there's no way of escaping that. The, the pastor mm-hmm. and the elders are all responsible for the spiritual oversight of whoever's in their church. And so you have to start there. What that looks like may look like differently in each church. And here's what I'm a big fan of. I think you need to utilize the gifts of the people in your church to be involved. If this person has a gift for teaching, then use them That's right. to help mentor teaching and so on. If somebody else has a great gift in hospitality, then, then use them. You need to utilize the gifts of the people. We should be doing that anyway. But that, that's a great start. <clears throat> I don't think it's limited just to our churches, though. I think we can actually use other churches. There are other people down the road that may have gifts that you don't have. <coughs> they may be able to influence in a different way. Sometimes spiritual adoption is okay. We can partner with others and use what they have for the sake of glorifying God and building up the body of Christ, mm-hmm. because that's what we are. <coughs> And those, I think, are the two important things. Use the gifts in your church. Use the gifts of solid people outside your church, too. Will that take me back? Hey, Robert, can I interrupt on that one? Sure. How do you bridge that? Well, I, I love that concept, but how do you bridge that? How do you have another church participate in your mentoring program? I think that's going to look differently based on context, but it's going to have to start with relationship. Partly, and this goes back to who who's the mentee fall under. <clears throat> Ultimately, it's that one pastor who bears that responsibility, and somehow you need to have a relationship of somebody you trust down the road first. IFCA is a good example of how we're interconnected. Northwest Independent Church Extension and those other church <clears throat> extensions and your regionals are a great starting place. If we're talking, if you went, you just mentioned the word relationship. And our relationship go outside of our own church. And if we're just, we're talking about mentorship could take place anywhere in our network. Mm-hmm. And so it could be, it's just wherever, wherever we meet people, wherever we know people. A number of years ago, I started really thinking through this um, and recognizing uh that we need we need more participants. So I went to a number of our pastors in our area, and I asked them, uh, "Would you uh, be available to mentor uh, someone eventually uh, and do an internship program?" And I had a number of said that yes, but this I, I don't have a place, I don't have this, I don't have that. Um, and uh, one of the ones that came up was, "I've never done this before." And so part of it's educating that person, but then. Uh, it all of a sudden dawned on me, within a relatively short distance, hour to two hours, we have multiple men that are experienced, who have uh, who have been in the ministry long term, in that sense, they have even some of them done mentoring, and I thought, why are we limiting ourselves to one person that says, I'm not sure I have the time or ability to be able to do it, or they're gifted in one particular area. Um, but maybe not another. And I got to thinking, man, we've got a lot of people that are uh, that can be used within a relatively short amount of time. For instance, we've got guys that are great preachers. You want to learn how to preach, that's the guy you want to be working alongside to learn how to preach correctly um, and to do that. We have guys that are great biblical counselors. Uh, not, not all preachers are really um, e- equipped and desire to sit down and do biblical counseling. But there are some that thrive over it. Uh, and they may not. They may be good preachers, they may not. That may not be their forte. So I started looking at, uh, as I looked around the Northwest and our areas, I thought, oh, that guy's really good there, that guy's really good there, that guy's really good there. Why not use a multiple uh, mentor system? Um, and so part of it was, like Robert said, it's building. So I went to them and said, hey, would you be willing, uh, if we get something going, 
to be able to maybe have a host pastor, but then spread that out so that others would be willing, you know, uh, and trade off. And you know, it's going to take a lot more work to be able to get that uh, relationship built in that way. So that's kind of how the concept uh, developed. Um, I appreciate that concept quite a bit. Um, and I think NICE is strategically placed to be able to have those connections and build off of those connections. And here's another thing. What it does then is it spreads the workload uh, in many respects. The other thing it does is develops a partnership. And you get away from this isolated, uh, independent kind of spirit uh, where you're depending upon uh, your brother down the road to help you uh, carry out this ministry. And why not have three churches investing their time and energies and monies, if need be, to be able to send one person or a couple out um, in that way, you know, to get that experience together. So it's just, it's an idea. So you'd be uh, pretty specific on what church you'd involve, though, wouldn't you, as far as making sure that they agreed with yep, yep. doctrinal Yeah. So it don't have to be an IFSA church. It can't be anything well, else. Okay. No, <laughs> no, we would want them to, you know, we would have a criteria, you know, first of all, you got to be doctrinally sound or, you know, and, uh, um, you know, there's there's other aspects to that. You know, you want to know, you know, is, is this pastor able to really carry this out? Does he have the desire to do that? And that's something else we can talk about a little bit later on because I think there's some characteristics that need to be involved in the process of that. So you'd have to have a, you know, a criterion that you're work, working through. So it's not an ecumenical effort? No. It, it would be solid Bible churches that you know are going in the same direction uh, that so we're going in. To clarify, let's suppose mm-hmm. you had a young man and you're grooming him for ministry. Is that... And there's a guy down the road that's an excellent preacher. He he would mentor with him for a while. Yeah, he could. Yeah. Yep. Okay, and then he went <clears throat> to somebody else who would help him with the counseling. Yeah, you could just spread it out. You know, okay. you, you know now you... And then you're talking about logistics. What's that going to look like? You know, uh, what's the timing on it? How, how do we met? But I think that's secondary to the fact that we have multiple guys. And you could have five great preachers. But it may be that you want to spread this out and have somebody else. Uh, it's like I've always believed, and maybe you guys can disagree with me, you know, but as a pastor, I always believed it was good for uh, my congregation to hear some other preachers once in a while. Um, and I think that can help in the mentoring too to help somebody else uh, you have to be a little bit more vulnerable that the fact that you don't do it all that somebody else can help out too and and I think that pastor um, and leader ought to have a good relationship uh, with the others um, so so we are you talking about mentorship for the sole purpose of directing someone into ministry or into the a, a biblical lifestyle? I think that goes back to what Bob said earlier as he was distinguishing between discipleship and mentorship. Because the idea is to look at mentorship into ministry context, and that's where okay. that definition okay. comes in. Certainly discipleship would take place with that, but yeah. because of our position, what we are, you know, because of the needs that we have, we're looking at primarily an internship that's developing mentors and disciples that will actually go into a church somewhere in the ministry. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to, just for the sake of time, ask is there one more question on here in this section that you guys want to address before we move to the next um, with the relationship between mentorships and the local church? I think you had your hand up. I one the answer is. Oh, okay. <laughs> Again, this is where participation is needed. Okay. For Can I just add in in Los Angeles, <clears throat> partner up with uh, Los Angeles Bible Trains. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's, it's very affordable. Hundred dollars, you can take up to four classes, too. and uh, most uh, the instructors are from uh, Master Seminary. And, um, you know, it's, it's not a church. It's a school. Mm-hmm. And so we partner up with them. And also internally, we have, um, for our Spanish side, we have a seminary internally. And um, group, mm-hmm. um, our, our young man is going to pastoral and church plan. Let me ask you guys this. I'm going to ask you this question. How important is an academic background? I think 
depends on what the mentor's needs are. I am incredibly grateful for my training and teaching. Um, I have a bachelor's in business administration, a master's in biblical studies, and I work in a PhD in biblical counseling. I'm so grateful that I had that. I wish my church would have done more. I wish it had begun at the church level. Because yes. what do you see in scripture? The church should be doing the teaching. I'm grateful, and this is where partnership comes in, that we can partner with organizations sometimes who are solid, biblically, who can do some of the teaching like you just discussed, because we need that. But at the same time, what role should the church be playing in this? And this is where we're going. Mentorship should be building up from within. Um, sometimes there's some things, okay, maybe we're not equipped to do it. Just to throw the obvious one out there, Greek. Is every church capable of teaching Greek to somebody? Probably not. Supplement with a class then or something. That was something I appreciated about the Biblical Ministers Worldwide when we came in. They tested us. Do you know your stuff? They wanted to make sure we were ready and at least had some fundamental knowledge and background. And if we didn't, then we went on and tried to get some training elsewhere in those specific areas. But the goal was the church. And then they sought out a church recommendation on that, um, just to share that. So how relevant is the academic background is going to depend on the person. Where are they at theologically and biblically? My answer would be if the church is doing their job, then the academic background is... How, how important is that would be zero hopefully because you'd have the you'd have the uh, <clears throat> scriptural uh, instruction done by the church and then you could have other mentorship skills done by people that are outside of the ministry there's always and you find this in the academic world in general there's the mirroring the you know learning the the knowledge and then having the practical experience. And you kind of need both. And that's yeah. what we're getting at. I think that's kind of what Corey was talking about last night. You know, yes. and here's a guy that's a, you know, a scholar in, uh, in, in a school that's saying the church should be doing its job and raising up um, people from within. But that doesn't negate the academic part of it, too. Uh, there's a balance between those two. But certainly, there ought to be more. Uh, as, a, as a mission agency that has dozens of churches that are looking for pastors, uh, one of the things I've gotten into as I go around the churches, I'm challenging churches to think about the person in the pew that God might be calling. I think we've lost that. We're not challenging our people in the pew. Is God calling you to missions? Is God calling you to uh, the pastoral ministry? Um, and then there may be some education along with that. But what are we doing in our churches to help prepare uh, people for that? Mm -hmm. So I want to move on then at the relationship between mentorships and the Great Commission. And again, same, same concept. We've got five questions. We're not going to be able to hit them all. But what is it that is most relevant to you guys? What is something you want to know about? Preferably, Bob and I have kind of divided up these questions. Whatever question you ask or answer, or want us to answer, will depend on which one of us speak. Yeah. <laughs> so if you like hearing him talk, you pick the right question. And my hope is that you'll yeah start gearing some towards Bob here. <laughs> That's where we're going. Number five. So how do mentorships impact communities to reach the world globally? I think that one's mine again. I think it is. <laughs> um. Within our church, we should be raising up people that are going out and making more disciples. Again, that's Great Commission concept, Matthew 28, 19 through 20. We're so serving locally, regionally, globally. That's just a given. I hope it's a given. The one that we're mentoring at the just the obvious level <clears throat> is going to be somebody that may serve in your church or they may go out. They may go to the church down the road. They may go to the church overseas. I, I don't know. But mentoring, I think, is part of the Great Commission because we're trying to create disciples who make more disciples. Um, I want to think about this a little bit in terms of Paul's plan. The thing about mentoring is it should be causing us to think beyond ourselves. And truthfully, I think we as churches need to be thinking more beyond ourselves. It's easy to get focused on our own church because there's so much going on there. There's so many needs as it is. 
we're doing counseling and discipleship within our own church and trying to care for the people, that that becomes our focus. But we're supposed to be oriented outwards to what the Lord is doing. And I want you guys to think about something. So Romans chapter 1, verse 15. You're welcome to turn there, but um, I'm going to try to read it very quickly. Romans chapter 1, verse 15. Paul is writing his introduction to the church, and he says, In this way, for my part, I am eager to proclaim the gospel to you, also who are in Rome. So we see a plan here from Paul. And Paul's plan for ministry is very simple. He's basically going to plan for God's work. It's that simple. We see that in Proverbs 16.9, where it says, A man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I hope we all get that concept. We can make plans and goals, but we adjust to what the Lord has. We see that with Paul. And so if you go now to Romans 15, you start to see this. Paul has just expressed his desire to preach in Rome in chapter 1. But then in, verse, in chapter 15, verse 19, we get this. It says that Jerusalem and all around as far as Elycrium, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. So he's telling them I've already preached in these areas. And then you go down to verse 22. And you get this. For this reason I have often been prevented from coming to you. He mentions that in the previous verses. But now... With no further place for me in these regions, and since I have had for many years a longing to come to you whenever I go to Spain, for I hope passing through to see you and to be helped on my way there by you. So there's a plan in place here. These, these few verses actually tell us a lot about the model of ministry and what Paul is doing. He's, he's got this mindset of what he's done, what he's doing now, where he wants to go in his ministry. It's a past, present, future plan. He'd been working in Jerusalem. We know that. Scripture tells us that. Even more, he just said that he's made it all the way to Elycrium. So, from Jerusalem to Rome, Elycrium is a halfway point. It's where they stopped to refill supplies, do whatever they needed to do. And then they headed to Rome. And that was considered, at that time, kind of this midway point of the world. Because in their mind, Spain is the end of the earth. So think about what Paul's thinking there in that mindset. What is he doing? He's been in Jerusalem. He's going out to Lycrium. And then to Rome, that midway point, before he finally gets the end of the earth. That's Acts 1.8. All Paul is doing is following Acts 1.8 to preach locally, regionally, and globally. It's just on a smaller scale because that was their mindset at the time. Paul's just following God's plan. I think that's what we need to be doing in the churches, thinking beyond ourselves and thinking how do we disciple our people, how do we mentor our people that may be called to ministry and then be sending them out or reaching others. Maybe it's bringing people internationally, mentoring under, under us and going back to their own place. Amen. There's different things we can do here, but it's thinking beyond ourselves by just following Scripture. So, what next? I hope that, that gives you a sense of my heart there. What else about this relationship between the Great Commission and mentorships that interests you? When you see the Great Commission type word of discipleship, Discipling people to follow Christ and reproduce. But is... I mean, there's practical and I mean, yeah. we, it's not, you can't just teach a class on evangelism. you got to teach how to do it. So now is that mentorship or is that discipleship? Well, what is our end goal? To, to develop a person who can... It's a mature person who will go make disciples. Right. How does mentorship accomplish that? There's... The, the, and this is why Bob hit that relationship between the three. the hands-on part of it. It's more of the experience, the skills, getting them out there. Right. You know, all of that, like I say, the bottom flow is discipleship that flows into mentorship, which is really the experience. I see mentorship more of the experience well, to getting out and doing it. You know, the old evangelism explosion program, what made that work was that 
you had two trainees with you and you were showing up on a doorstep, which I did a lot of that in university plays. Well, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. from the church there. And uh, that was mentorship, I guess. <coughs> if we're mentoring leaders for the church, ideally people going into full-time ministry, they're hopefully going into their churches <coughs> and making disciples and doing the same thing. So there should be a relationship there between both. Mm -hmm. Well, with the mentorship, does it not also produce a, a longevity? Um, we're seeing burnout at a, at a rapid pace in, in church ministry. Um, and I think, honestly, church ministry is probably one of the few areas that mentorship is not required before you actually go into it vocationally on your own. I mean, if you're an electrician, you it's required that you mentor under someone. A plumber, you have to... And we're talking electricity and, you know, plumbing. But we're dealing with with leading people into a relationship and, and ministering to people with the scriptures, and we're saying, nah, there's no mentorship needed. And then they get out there on their own. They don't have someone to, to call back or say, you know, when you were doing this, how did this? Or... How do you do? They, there wasn't that relationship even built there, so now they're thinking they're the only one that struggles with this, and they they bail. I, I think mentorship is essential. One of the one of the positive of the mentorship is when somebody leaves that realm, and it's exactly what you're saying, Jed. Is that eventually there's a connection, there's a relationship, there's right? Well. You know. If there's a downfall to some internship programs, it's one year, two year, three year, you're out the door. You're on your own. But what I see with that is that you get to build this relationship that's ongoing, whether it's encouragement, whether it's prayer, whether it's financial support, uh, whether it's helping, well, if it's, it's a church plan, whatever it might be yeah. uh, for that reason. Because um, there, there is the um, direct relationship of getting out on your own and not having really that that's I still good. call my mentors. Yeah. <laughs> me too. For, for instance, discipleship, let me give you an example. Discipleship could be people skills. You're discipling people from the scripture, how to relate to other people, which is absolutely essential uh, if you're if you're going to do any kind of ministry. Amen. You've got to deal with people. Yeah. So your discipleship is dealing with, with people. The mentorship part of it can be getting them out there and watching them and helping them to deal with that. Because it's one thing to theorize from a you know a discipleship program that you need to relate to people. It's another thing when they actually have to do it, uh, whatever form that might be. Um, you know, whether it's sitting down with a couple that are having marital problems, whether it's going to the hospital and dealing with somebody that, that's dying, whatever it might be, there's a lot of relationships that they get that are need to be there because it's biblical, it's, it's spiritual, it's what we do. You can have, could you have an internship without mentorship? I've seen that. Right. They had interns yeah. and they're just doing odds yes. and ends in the church, but they're not being. They're not being. Yeah. Well, you mean by title only, not they're, they're, they, become, they become cheap labor. Yeah. Okay. They're one of the labor. problems, and up, this is one of the this is one of the things that I try to warn against. You're. Your intern is not there to do what you don't want to do. Yeah, thank you. You are there to train. Let me background. Um, when I first started in ministry, uh, I was trained by a guy for two years. Mm -hmm. And he had an actual structure form that we went through, and the end product was my ordination. But, I mean, he had every single thing you could think about, any kind of ministry, and it wasn't uh, you get to be the janitor, you get to do this. It was reading books. It was getting at the hospitals. I had to do an Awana program from the ground up. I had to do uh, I had to come up with wedding uh, sermons. I had to come up with funeral sermons and I had to do them. Yeah, that was um, awesome. Yeah, I mean, I did everything there was to do and that's that's taking discipleship and learning what the Bible says uh, about my spiritual life and then putting it into the practical You'd be happy experience. to know that Baptist Bible Seminary in Pennsylvania requires a full year internship. And those guys, I, I've had a guy, and, and they're required to, they got to write papers all along, and you've got to be involved with them. They're just not letting you have a guy there. 
Yeah. And it's been very, it's been very good. Yeah. And that's why linking up with somebody who's already been there that can help you through yeah. that, um, that's what it's all about. I, we're not looking for people just to sit around and you know learn a couple things. Eventually, that person's going to be on their own. They need to know what to do. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm gonna. Bob probably dislikes working with me because I create more work for him, <laughs> like this. <laughs> but Bob put together a list of certain things. Some of the you know, perform a baby dedication. Some of the things he just listed: a funeral sermon, you know, that type of stuff. I think that's a great tool. Okay, what does that look like? Um, I may say if you want something like that as guidance, he might be able to share that or be willing to share some of that ideas of. Is that okay? Oh, right now? <laughs> no, not right oh, now. Okay, good. Yeah. If you want that. Yeah, if you need a little bit more. Yeah, we, we put together quite a bit of stuff that, that we can. It's hard to think of things tools. in the moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. we're going to have an intern or mentor, somebody to be mentored, and now what do I need to do? No, here's here's something I, I, to think about. I think, you know, I, I, Bob, I, I graduated from Saint Seminary, Northwest Baptist Seminary in Tacoma, and um, tremendous training in exegetical biblical studies, but I really feel like my practical was zero. Mm -hmm. like, it was just with GRBC Baptist, and we just got two weeks of Baptist polity and, and two weeks of pastoral counseling, and I was thankful then I was with Ron Hill at um, Southside Baptist Church for three and a half years, and I still call Ron. You know, mm -hmm. Do you know Ron? No. Uh, he's a GRBC pastor there in, uh, in South, it was okay. in Spanaway. Okay. Yeah, so... Go ahead. A question. Uh, you mentioned um, academic uh, like reading and stuff during an internship. And um, I know nine marks, Mark Devers' mm -hmm. internship, yep. they are like a five-month internship. And, and as far as I know, I read their, their program. It's like lots of reading mm -hmm. and writing papers. Yeah. And what, what do you guys mm -hmm. think about it? Because uh, I feel like when, when I finish, you know, like a BA degree, a master's degree, you know, in biblical studies and everything, when I go to an internship, I want practical stuff, yes. not reading again, yeah, because exactly. I, I had six, seven, eight years enough reading everything. I think it depends on the on the level of where you're at. Some guys are coming out of you know good solid Bible schools, seminary that have had a host of reading. They've, they've got a library that outshines most pastors because they you know they have to. Um, at the at the same point there are some that are coming out with very little. Um, they're, they're getting some academics, but they're not getting a lot. Uh, my view of reading is to read the things that are going to be you know, practical and helpful um, uh, that deal with uh, shepherding, that deal with aspects of the ministry life you have to deal with that would be in addition to what you've already. But to spend hours and hours and hours of an internship just reading is, is not going to give you what you need. That's where the mentorship is. Mentorship is experience. That's experience-oriented. So you have to be able to do it you know, sooner or later. And some live by the philosophy that you just you give all the education and you give all the reading, uh, and then you shove them out on their own. If they have any problems, call me. Uh, I don't think that's true internship mentorship. Uh, no. You want to be able to... You want to lessen as much problems as possible. When I stepped into this position, I stepped into two directors who had 40 plus years of directing my ministry. I would be a fool not to depend on those guys and say, hey, um, I'm not just reading all I need to read, you know, from all the people that are out there in the book, but I go to them and say, hey, I need to learn from you. And I've learned from them by watching them. And uh, so I think there's a, there's a balance, but you can overdo um, the one, you know. Uh, I'm going to add to that, mm -hmm. if that's okay. Uh, two things. One, we should always be learning and growing. Mm -hmm. Howard Hendricks, if you stop learning today, you stop teaching tomorrow. Uh, that should just be a given. <clears throat> but what we've done in the Christian world is look at our model for learning. We've basically adopted it from the secular world. Whether it be in academia, in our seminaries, things like that, but even in the church, we equate learning with the reading. I love reading to the point that I actually had a blog about reading because I, I think everybody should be reading. But when that becomes the substitute for other things, you're missing out on that experience, as Bob said. But my point in is, you know, where did we adopt our values for learning? Well, it's from the secular world. It's based on pragmatism. 
and it's based on the writings of John Locke, which are actually antithetical to biblical teaching, if you do the research. And in that regard, what does scripture say? What is the model we see there, and how do we get to that? So what is the model? What is the model? I think we're talking about it. Okay. Discipleship and mentorship. Okay. Primarily discipleship. And you have to use about the academic side of it. You know, study to show yourself approved. Mm-hmm. Right. You need both. You can't disconnect the... Yeah, there is that, that, there is that balance, as they said earlier. So. I've been so blessed. I've had uh, the second church plant in New Jersey. I had a young man that came from Cedarville College. He had a degree in piano. He was a, he, he, then he wanted to go into ministry. So he had no ministry skills. He, he didn't have theology. He had, you know, so our mentoring there, he was assistant in worship, but I would spend all day, half day Tuesday, and we did Schaefer's theology. We did, I, I had to teach him how to preach, and he's grown into, he's a wonderful pastor now. The fellow that I have right now, he graduated from Baptist Bible Seminary with a, an div. Tremendous all around, but he just didn't know how to plug it in. Mm-hmm. Situations and, and 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 he's been with me four years and actually we've mentored him now. I'm now part time and he's he's leading full time. So it's kind of here's another aspect to think about. Uh, we go back to that other local church is doing what it's supposed to be doing. Uh, I, I'll ask you a question: Can a man go into the pastoral ministry or missions ministry fully equipped without a Bible education? Yes. Yes. Why? Because he's been equipped in the church, and that's and I think we're fa- Robert. Go back to what Robert said earlier. Sometimes we're failing in the local church by not equipping our people to be ready to go. They should have theology. Yes, they should. You know, yeah, they should have systematic theology, biblical theology. They should be ready to go uh, if they're learning. When I went to Bible school. Um, I already had a number of things. The Bible education simply rounded off what I already had in my church because I had six biblical elders and a pastor that was solid in his teaching. He did theology on Tuesday nights for anybody that wanted to come. So, I mean, we were doing what we should be doing. I think what we're seeing today in many circles is we give you a Sunday morning sermon about 30 minutes, and that's all you get all week. But Dr. Marsh, you know, they're biblical illiterate. See, it's terrible. So, yeah. So I think part of that is that founding in the church. But that doesn't negate, as I said earlier, you know, going to Bible school, going to seminary, they can be additional. And we have we have I, I would say this, we have no excuse for not learning at even an academic level if we want to do it. Because we can sit in our homes and learn from great places. So, yeah. When I accepted the position at our church, when I candidated, I laid out a plan, a process beginning with discipleship that would eventually lead into mentorship, hopefully for some. Very much based on, we need to be in the Word more, knowing our theology, much like we heard last night and much like what Bob said. Um, I can share more with you that, but we are running out of time and I do want to move on. Can I answer a question too, though, real quick? That's actually (laughs) the the next section. So, (laughs) if you want to answer number two to begin with. I I think there's three non-negotiables. Um... And first, as a pastor's passion. Um, if the pastor's not into this, you, you're dead in the water. It doesn't matter if the elders want it, the deacons want it. The pastor's a key guy uh, in seeing it. He, he's got to want it. He's got to, he's got to uh, burn with a passion. He, he has to be able to be willing to put the time and effort in. I'm working with uh, not only Robert and his church, when I already know where he's at, but I'm working with another pastor in his church. And uh, this is one of the things that we have said. If the pastor's not ready to go and wanting to do it, um, we've got a lot of guys that say, yeah, I th- I'm interested. No, you've got to be passionate about doing it. The second thing is um, there, there's got to be a unified spirit in the church. The, you can't be just the pastor. If the elders aren't buying into this uh, and the church, uh, it, it's going to be a struggle. But if everybody's on board... Um, it's going to change the life of the church um, to be able to see this go through. Um, and you could stop there, but I think you need to have a, a, a strategy led by the Spirit. Amen. What are we going to do? And that's what we're trying to provide at NICE is a tool, a manual of some sorts to be able to say, and we have a five, kind of a, a five-fold ministry that we say this has to be accomplished in these, these five areas if we're going to be part of this ministry. 
Um, and it's just a strategy. It's a, and then we've said, if you want to capitalize on that in any way you want to, but at least these five areas should be covered. Uh, so we have, there's got to be a strategy of some kind. Absolutely. Uh, but those three elements, I think, there's probably others, but I think those three ele elements right there have to be. So what are the five? <clears throat> what are the five? Are Your you wife put you on the spot. Uh, yeah, you would. That's my wife, by the way. So she could ask that question. Uh, I don't like it all five, but one is discipleship growth. And the discipleship growth is building into the personal life of that individual spiritually. You know, where are they at? I think it's one that's left out of many internships, is just developing and continuing to develop their spiritual walk with Christ. Um, one is uh, theological convictions that deal with theological areas as well as current trends that are going on. Uh, shepherding. Uh, I call it shepherding care. Um, what would be a fourth? Do you remember? <laughs> I'm trying to think the fourth and the fifth. I was trying to remember too. Missions outreach, I call it, which is um, thinking outside your normal. Uh, and it might be the area of either missions, and, and uh, but primarily what we're looking at is because we're of the organization we are, we're looking at church planting and how can we uh, take this to the next level now. Maybe this person would go out and plant that next church, and so we want to look at what that looks like. Um, uh, revitalization of churches and those sorts of things in the mission outreach. And then there's a there's another one that it escapes me, but we have we have those five, and they're all detailed uh, in some aspect. So I think you also answered question one from the previous slide about <clears throat> does the pastor need to be involved in membership? So yep. I'm glad you covered that. <laughs> I, in kind of looking at this list as we talk about the relationship between memberships and the pastor, the one thing I want to hit here is if you were to take one step, what do you do? And I think the first step most people need to take is just defining an outcome, defining a goal. What is the expectation of what we're doing? I think if you can establish that, that will take you on into your next steps. The biggest thing in all of this, I hope you're seeing, is we don't need to be by ourselves. We need to be relying upon one another. And there's plenty of resources out there. Um, and, and not just from NICE, but other resources that we can bring in and partner with and learn from. We don't need to do this on our own, and neither should we be doing it on our own. That's kind of the key there. So, so define an outcome. What is your expectation of this? Uh, we're kind of coming down to the final minutes. I think what I do real Can quick. Can I go back real quick? Yeah, go for it. Let me give you the five of the way that we have listed here. Discipleship growth, which is a tagline, desire to help toward personal godliness. Uh, second one's training skills, a desire to produce a competent and proficient leader. The third is mission outreach, the desire to provide opportunities to reach the world. Fourth, the theological convictions, the desire to cultivate biblically sound servants. And then shepherding care, the desire to present pastors who exhibit loving hearts for the flock. Amen. And you would think that would be natural, but it's not. Well, yeah, There's some guys that don't love the flock. No. Hard to believe. But no, those five areas. As we kind of draw to a close, we're going to send you home with this sheet. Um, and on the front page, aside from your my definition of mentorship, it's kind of just an evaluation tool of, you know, is our church ready for mentorship? And there's three different areas there. You know, is our church spiritually healthy? Does the pastor have a genuine passion? These are things Bob has already hit. And then the last one, you know, is it just functional in our circumstances? And below that are just some questions for you to consider and think about as you look about that within your own ministry context. The backside kind of gives you just a little bit of a brief checklist of, okay, we want to mentor. What should we look for in that candidate? What should what qualifications should that person possess? They're going into ministry is the idea. They probably should possess some basic spiritual qualifications and theological knowledge as we've established. So there's a list there. Um, I think some things I would point out there or specifically as a number four, is are they active in their home church? Or if they're away at college, are they active in any church? And would that church endorse them for ministry? The last thing, <clears throat> list of resources, and we're pointing you to IFCA people. I know there's more out there. But you've got three different church extensions that are each doing mentorship <clears throat> to some degree. 
Um, specifically, if you heard Henry Vosberg share last night a little bit about what's going on, I know his is pretty intense. That may not be for everybody, but you can always take from pieces. But I think they're great resources to look at. We steal from each other all the time. That's <laughs> what friends are for. That's right. <laughs> um, and then the IFCA has the Bible Institute and their advance, um, Advancing the Cause blog that you can look at as well. I've shared our information, at least our email there, if you would like to contact us. I have made a note here, though. If you email me, I will refer you to Bob. <laughs> He's got more wisdom than I do. Um, and also, I have no clue. I'll get a hold of Robert. <laughs> <laughs> no. um, so that's for you guys to take and just consider <clears throat> and evaluate. Is there any one final question or comment that like, you can't hold in before you leave? I just think we have to be deeply committed to intentional sequential discipleship in our churches mm -hmm. because I don't think you can yep. have mentorship until you have that piece yep. in play. Yep. And I've planted four churches. I mean, I'm a simple, I'm a C-minus student, but I've been successful because I just do a simple approach of building people. So It's that, not that, rocket science. That's, it's not rocket science, no. absolutely. Mm -hmm. But we have to be committed to it. We have to be committed and discipleship is the foundation. Yes, it is. Yeah. I had shared earlier, if you'll permit me to share a little bit of when I candidated at our church that there was a plan. And I, I outlined, here's my philosophy ministry, the first thing I'm going to do. And I know you don't necessarily make a lot of changes, but I said this will be the first thing I change, and we're going to do one-on-one -on -one discipleship. And here's what that's going to look like. I'm going to disciple a few men. My wife's going to disciple a few women. Mm -hmm. And then those people are going to go disciple more. And we're going to keep that going. We're still at that phase. Eventually what I'd like to see happen <clears throat> is identifying people. And we're an older church. As we get younger too, maybe that will help. But identifying people who God may be calling to the ministry. Yes. And I want the elders to take them on and start discipling them and mentoring them. But that's going to be intense of we're going to teach you preaching we're going to teach you teach you other things counseling basically you know what's your role as a pastor but all the elders have to be on board for that the last aspect of that is my goal is to see us equipping the church as a body more too not just on one-on-one -on -one discipleship but actually bob shared his own church doing this was okay we're going to get together and get into some heavy theological things you guys are going to start learning and and talking about the things of God in the way God talks about them. Whether that's a Saturday morning breakfast and we spend three hours studying whatever it may be, again, counseling, theology, at a lesser degree than maybe those ones that are being called to ministry, but to some degree, so that you're fully well-rounded and equipped to go out and serve the Lord. That's my idea and plan. That's my goal. The Lord may change that, but we're not fully there yet as a church. So. Sounds like a good plan. Let me share just real quickly. Um, background-wise, I had the opportunity of being able to train two men in ministry over my 40-plus years of ministry, plus probably others I'm not aware of, but directly being able to do that. Uh, the Lord has blessed me over the last number of years to uh, have a, a group of some young pastors that uh, I guess we would call a mentor because I'm really not discipling them per se, the, you know, but you know, we're available for encouragement. We uh, meet every other Thursday morning by Zoom. Uh, and that has just been a privilege. I think I learn as much as they're probably learning um, from what we're doing. We have topics we cover. We have guys that come in, you know, on Zoom, and they all speak on certain. I I key into people that are areas that I think can be helpful. So there's a variety of ways you can do, and I call that more mentoring. So um, yeah, there's a variety of things you can do. Uh, we just need to do it. With that said, um, if you want to stick around and ask questions, please feel free to. I would like to close us in prayer before we go. Our Father God, we come before you knowing you are a great, glorious God, able to work through humble servants like us, Lord. And Father, we're privileged to be part of that process. Father, I pray that we leave here both encouraged and better equipped, but more importantly, that we are convicted by the need to proclaim you, to teach others about you, and Lord, to develop disciples who then make more disciples, Lord. May we seek your will and your word and your work in that entire process, Lord. I thank you for those that were here today. I thank you for the interaction and, and pray, Lord, that you've just been glorified 
by all that has taken place here. It is in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. One caveat, just so you don't think that we're only just talking about pastors. Uh, we're talking about leaders in the church, elders, elders' wives, deacons, deacons' wives, women's ministries. All of that can be a mentoring discipleship ministry, so uh, keep that in mind. Thank you, guys. Thank you.